0: Welcome everybody out to Episode 82 of Utah in the Weeds, a podcast about medical cannabis and cannabis culture in Utah. Today's episode is with Cody James, the manager at the Utah Department of Agriculture. He's over the hemp side as well as the medical cannabis side. The Utah Department of Agriculture is one of two laboratories in Utah that are doing the testing for your medical cannabis products tinctures, flower, concentrates, the Delta 8 controversy that's in the market right now, and they have been dealing with. We talk about that in this podcast. So stay tuned. Enjoy this episode with Cody James. From a housekeeping perspective, I want everybody to know about our patient subsidy program called Uplift. This is a donation matching program where we're taking patients' or anyone's donations, you can donate online at utahmarijuana.org slash uplift, utahmarijuana.org slash uplift. When you donate, your donation is matched by our partners Beehive, Wholesome, Deseret Wellness, and Utah Therapeutic Health Center. So you are maximizing your donation and all of that money all of that money is going towards patient evaluations and getting patients that are terminally ill or low income access to medical cannabis in the program. It's a great, we, we have a great start. We launched it this week. We've had an enormous amount of support already from patients in our clinics and we think this is gonna help a lot of people. Uh, we'll keep you updated on how that pro- program is going Throughout the next few weeks and months, uh, but we're very excited about Uplift. Utah in the Weeds, I'm Tim Pickett. I'm your host. Uh, you can reach out to us on Discover Marijuana on YouTube. Comment on any of those videos with questions, and that's a great way to get a hold of me. Subscribe to Utah in the Weeds on any podcast player that you have access to. Uh, just go ahead and stay up to date. Subscribe on the YouTube channel. Come see us at Utah Therapeutic Health Center, one of our six locations from Cedar City to uh, to Ogden. And enjoy this conversation with Cody James from the Utah Department of Agriculture. This is Utah in the weeds. Somebody from the Department of Ag. And, and you're the guy. And you, I mean, you get a little crap. <laughs>
1: You know, we're the, we're kind of the, the underbelly. So Sage, we're the guys, the ones who don't get seen a lot. Uh, And I mean, when I say that, we're not really the, the public view of, of the, the medical cannabis industry in Utah, right? We're kind of on the ground with the the producers and, and there's a lot of things that kind of do fall onto our lap, but uh, we, we, you know, uh, from our standpoint. Being that down there in the dirt, we're the ones that are kind of making sure that that product is safe, uh, you know, and is going out according to the regulations. And so we're probably not the the prettiest group to deal with on ESSA, but we think we're pretty important uh, based that way. So we understand that we may not always get the, the best, uh, or have the best view for things, but it seems sure. to go well anyway.
0: But. So Cody James, what's your role in the Department of Ag? I mean, like, how did you get here?
1: <laughs> it's a, a great question. So I'm uh, currently I'm the manager of the industrial hemp and medical cannabis program. So uh, overseeing both uh, the Department of Ag's portions of industrial hemp, which includes growers and processors, as well as uh, product and uh, retailers. And then obviously, similar to the medical cannabis side, where we're overseeing the, the growers and and processors is uh, and the products that's being made there. And we also regulate uh, the labs. Uh, on that side, um, really, uh, I've been with the department for about 16 years. Kind of made my name, I guess, within the department. You know, 10, 12 years ago, as a, an inspector slash investigator for another division, where I kind of took on some things that no one else wanted to take on, um, and was able to do a pretty good job out of, it, I guess. And so it kind of caught the eye of the bosses, and they wanted to kind of move me up to some other positions where uh, I was running programs or fixing programs, things like that. And and it just kind of kept going and, and this came up and uh, there's the opportunity uh, that they needed someone with that type of experience to come in with at the time. Uh, Drew was here with us and uh, he had a lot of industry knowledge and was getting things running, but they also needed someone to make sure that I guess knew what the red tape was—the government red tape that needed to happen to make sure we was writing rules, policies, uh, things that way—and so I kind of get put in there to to do that, and uh, it's still ongoing work. But that's where we're at.
0: Yeah, from the medical cannabis side, when did that start for the Department of Ag?
1: Um, I think that there was actually conversations going on as early as, uh, 2017, uh, you know, as, as things started kind of popping up out in the public and the prop two, uh, things even before that. And so I know that the, and this was before my time in this, uh, program, but I know there's a lot of discussions that way. I'm obviously after prop two and then going to the special session in December of, uh, 2018. 2018. Yeah. That's when it. Uh, that got put on to the Department of Ag's producer side, and um, they started down that road. And, and I came over in about May of 2019. So,
0: so when it's the Department of Agriculture is responsible, essentially, this this is what I view it as. And tell me if I'm wrong. I view the Department of Agriculture as the people who you're you've got a you've got a licensed grower. You've got to monitor them, seed to sale, essentially. That's essentially your your job is the product from the time it goes in the ground to the time it gets sold on the shelf. And and then all of this testing stuff, right? right? I mean, you were the only game in town up until, was it even this year? You're the only lab.
1: Yeah, we actually the uh, the other third part, the other lab. We do have two. One is obviously ours, and the other is a third-party independent lab. Um, they have been in just a little bit longer in the year because we did in the last couple months do a renewal for their license there. Um, but yeah, you know, overall, you're right. I mean, it's our job, um, and the way we look at it here is that we're, we're our job is to make sure that the product that is being shipped to the the pharmacies is safe. You know, there's the criteria that was spelled out in statute that talks about that, and and really trying to make sure that the the medical cannabis product in Utah is as close to following the medical guidelines for any other kind of pharmaceutical product out there. And so there's that's where the testing and, and that aspect comes in. And so, like I said, our we think that our job is, is that's the number one priority is that that product that is safe and it's being uh, grown and harvested uh, safely um, and correctly as best as they can, and, uh, but mostly uh, safely at the the growers, and then as it transfers over, and we, as you mentioned, we do the seed to sell, but then that the the processes and the facility and everything at the processors is safe, and, and how they're manufacturing the product is safe as well, so you know hopefully there's not a lot of concern uh, to have those tests but then we do make sure that we kind of regulate, I guess, from our side. We don't do the testing in my office, but when a uh, test does fail, we're the ones who have to kind of uh, step in and make sure that it doesn't go to the market until it's been remediated or, or we can prove that it's safe. And so, as I mentioned, it we think for sure that our number one job is to make sure that it's a safe product going forward. Um, and that also includes making sure that it's uh you know certified agents that are in there doing the job um that the, the facilities are safe don't have you know uh, mice running around or the, and they're cleaning their their um equipment when they're supposed to so kind of all encompassing to make sure that we do get to that point of of safe product so
0: is the department of ag involved in any other medicine testing or is cannabis really the only consumer like medical product that you guys are involved in testing.
1: Um, so the the Department of Ag does test uh, a lot of different aspects from uh, from meat, uh, dairy products. They do some uh, other type of chemical testing. Um, exactly what else they do and and what all that encompasses. Like so I know they do some antibiotic testing and things like that, but mostly in animals and and things. But for the most part what we do, this type of testing at the Department of Agriculture is just set for, for cannabis. And then also uh, hemp testing, we do the, the same type of full panel testing on some of the hemp products that we need to bring in and do some uh, either research or an investigation on. But really, the rules were written right close to, to what other pharmaceutical products are. And that's kind of how they follow. But as you mentioned, it's all that I'm aware of for sure is Is medical cannabis on a day-to-day basis. So
0: So talk to me a little bit about safety because it's been a, I mean, it's a, we could spend all day on it and we could, we can get into all these little nuances of stuff that's come up and, and all these additives and chemical byproducts and that sort of thing. But does the standards, talking about the standards, do the standards get set by your group or do the standards get set by the statute or the standards get set by industry. Where Who decides how much, like how much contamination is allowed or how much, who decides that stuff?
1: Yeah, and uh, so um, some of the the standards that uh, we did give the Department of Agricultural Rulemaking Authority and the statute to come up with those, uh, what we did is, is really look at pharmaceutical aspects of it, um, have also uh, our state chemist, uh, Brandon Forsyth, was actually brought in initially just for cannabis to kind of help us get that aspect of it. So between him and, and people like uh, Blake, as you mentioned, they talked about where that needs to be, uh, people that have a lot better background in in that, in that the chemistry aspect of things than I do. But there was a lot of a back and forth uh, on exactly, but a lot of it also was based on what pharmacies or what pharmaceutical products need to have as well. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of was at least the standpoint or at least the starting point with it. You know, and and there's been a few changes and also there's been some force changes based like from COVID, for instance, right? I mean, trying to get uh, supplies uh, a lot of time. And so, some, uh, you know, we try really hard to make sure our labs have all the uh, equipment that they need. But, you know, during COVID, sometimes there's pipettes that couldn't come uh, because everybody's using them for testing. There's also the aspect that as we took a look at it, um, initially, you know, the, the law and was set up so you had to test uh, medical cannabis at the cultivator and then again at the processor you know as final product and and so we was kind of doubling up on tests and so after talking to industry and looking at it uh, and talking in uh, internally we were able to get the law change to allow it uh, allow the department really to have a little bit more uh wiggle room to move to kind of move tests forward you know and mostly based on the cost i mean those tests aren't aren't cheap they're pretty expensive and so now we allow tests to happen depending on if it's going to be a flower product or if it's going to be extracted product maybe just once before it gets to the the processor and then only for a couple of tests as final products so it's not going to have to get the full suite twice in hopes to kind of lower kind the of cost. reduce
0: reduce cost and get that throughput a little bit better
1: right, right? And, get products and- to market And we and we felt like after the research that we could still do the do a good job of of making sure that the quality assurance is being met in that way. And and so far, I think we have. Um, I think that the testing aspect of it is a success because we have found some some issues where we've had to put holds on on products, whether it's flour or extracted material, and get with the uh, the producer and say, "No, you can't move this anymore. How are you going to remediate things like that?" And then, you know, and after that, all of them are good. Nobody wants. You know, something that's going to make somebody sick and out to the market. It's in everybody's best interest, obviously. But, uh, yeah. First and foremost, health wise for the public, but from the the business standpoint, on their mind. And and so, uh, like I said, we've I think we've ran like close to over four thousand samples in twenty twenty one. Something only like uh, sixty five tests have failed. You know, and so those are 65 times that we've had a contact uh, a producer, but all the time we have a, a system worked out now where they let us know, okay, it's on hold. We want to remediate it this way. We approve it, and then uh, very rarely do we ever see something fail a second time.
0: Talking about like flour, everybody is fascinated with, uh, and there's been some discussion that you take. Man, you the Department of Ag takes so much of our flour for testing, right? Yeah. We have 50 pounds and they got to take, you know, a whole pound or something like that. It's just such a high amount. Has that has that changed or is that true? Is that even true? I mean, do you have to take so much that it it decreases like the amount in the market?
1: Um, I don't think it decreases the amount in the market. I think maybe early on it did, right? That first year when everything was just starting, I think that uh there was wasn't a real a uh, lot that was being produced anyway and so anything you took out the the top uh or took out of any uh harvest was going to to kind of hurt be be felt you know when people were only using 800 square feet to grow and just getting started and especially when the product first or the the industry just first got off the ground and there wasn't really a lot of processors that were doing extracted products either it was almost all flour, and there was very few of it right why the eight growers got up and running um so but but now we're seeing um you know with the amount of grows and and, um, both indoor and outdoor that we're not hearing those same concerns on that um the other thing to keep in mind and again this goes back to we've got chemists and people who are involved that uh, deal with that stuff a lot and I uh, know have a lot more knowledge than I do about it, but there's seven different tests, right? We're testing not only for cannabinoid profiles, but heavy metals, um, pesticides, um, you know, microbials, uh, all kinds of different things that that takes a little bit more time and you have to break them some of it down to test for some of them and some of the other ones you have to t- break down a different way. So yeah, I, I can see that like so anytime someone comes in and takes a, you know, uh, Ten grams is something that probably seems a lot, especially if you have a lower production side. But on the other side, you know, with uh, some of our growers having two and a quarter, two and a half acres outdoor, or you know, hundred thousand sc- square feet that growing that they're harvesting, it's probably not as much. Right. It's probably relative. I guess would be the better way to say yeah. it. Right.
0: Yeah. In the beginning, it it seemed like that was a complaint that I heard once in a while. You know, from the even from the growers, they're like, oh, the, well, the Department of Ag is going to take however much of this. And you're right. At the time, they didn't have as much overall. Right. Um, right. And now I don't ever hear that. I don't ever hear that complaint because, you know, heavens, there's 50,000 pounds of dry, you know, flour hanging somewhere and, you know, they're yeah. going to extract it. A little bit of testing material is not that big of a deal. Right. Was there ever a time during COVID that you had? Um, another question we get was, was there ever a time during COVID now with the supply chain problems that you had to reduce the number of tests for flour products? Specifically, you mentioned the pipettes, because I know on some of the COAs, it was said, well, because of a global shortage of pipettes, we've not done certain testing. Where is that at? What That particular piece was kind of surprising to me. And I don't know what products were affected or not affected. What do you think about this?
1: Yeah, so, and, and I could talk a little bit about it because, uh, again, it's something that's uh, a lot of times over my head, but uh, they're right. So because we never really stopped doing all the testing, what we, what we did is, is make it because we had such a, a small supply of what we did need that we would do uh, visual tests for like microbials and things like that. And, and it's probably a little bit more than just visual tests to run the test they could. And if there was a need to run the full uh, scale based on what they found in those initial tests, they would. But if everything checked out and an initial test, then the national test and they wouldn't necessarily go down any further, just because like I said, it, we was running out of ability to make, to run those tests. So we tried to do it on more basis. So what the department had to do and it took going to, you know, it wasn't just something that was just decided here at the, in my shop or with uh, Dr. Forsyth, that was more, hey, let's, we have to have a meeting with the, the commissioner, uh, have to get approval from the governor's office and put in an emergency rule uh, to say that you don't have to have to do this testing all the time for this reason. And that's the reason, because, I mean, one of the, the number one things, as I mentioned, we think the most important thing that we do is make sure that safe product is getting out there. But right close to that, and even more so at the beginning, was making sure that product gets to the patients. Right. To, in order for this program, for this industry to be successful, we've got to make sure they're doing that, you know, uh, that the product's getting to the patients. And so we, we try to, especially early on, it was like, hey, we got to do everything we have to. We got to work as fast as we can. We got to still make sure it's safe, but we, we also don't want to stand in the way of getting it to, to the patients. And that still is, the, is the, the same thing here. We want to make sure it gets And We didn't want to shut down the entire program because we couldn't get something like pipettes. And as we talked about it, we we still had ways that we thought um, was able to catch any quality assurance concerns if there was any there. And you know, I, as, I'm not aware of anybody being sick because of quality assurance standard problems. You know, yeah, I mean, that was people- going to be
0: my next question. Really, is that are you aware of anybody who's you know who's had k- kind of a negative outcome? And I don't know in our you know in my experience with patients, I I don't know of anybody with a with a negative like you know they were admitted to the hospital for some yeah. type of infection that would have that potentially would have been caught with that test I there isn't any case cases of that out there yeah. certainly a little bit of um, you know public awareness and transparency and I think what's important like to me it's nice to hear that it's not just well we didn't have these pipettes so we got approval to not do the tests right. it's it's actually important it's nice for me to hear well we didn't have the pipettes so what we did was we went to the chemists and we went to the we went to our group and we said hey how can we keep this safe but like keep this moving forward right now right and that part of it i think is a problem for the department of agriculture and frankly the, the department of health in that you're doing things on the background that people don't see right and you're not it's not like you you have this ability to this marketing team or something to like push out all this info. Oh, yeah. By the way, everybody, we did this instead while we're working through the process, right? Right, right. The other question that comes up with the Department of Agriculture all the time is the the testing of what you do test for and what you don't test for. So many people want you to test for more, right? They want you to test for the entire cannabinoid profile plus the entire terpene profile, Mm -hmm. And we don't do that in Utah, right?
1: Uh, so there was an addition to the statute and, and for some terpene testing. Um, I'm, uh, I'm not sure that we can test for all of it, but what we can test for is the majority of them that they let us know is in there. So we can kind of give some profiles on that type of situation. There is, you, you know, I mean, there's such a number of, of terpenes and stuff and, and trying to find the standards uh, still mm-hmm. at the, the chemistry. And again, these are probably better questions for Dr. Forsythe than myself, but, um, as talking to him about that, cause we get those questions as well. Hey, we want to put this on the label. And the requirement is if you're going to put it on the label, then you have to have had to, and talking about terpenes and any cannabinoids, well, it has to be a test had to be tested for and have that profile or that percentage on there. And that's, um, what we've been asked for. And we've been able to get to that point, Uh, at our lab and make sure that we're testing for those things that they're telling us about to test for. So, but trying to catch it at all on the terpene side, I don't think we're, we're, uh, have that ability to just do a broad test and catch every terpene that might possibly be in there.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so there's hundreds and hundreds of terpenes and I don't, I don't know. Will the department of ag get out of the testing of cannabis, medical cannabis, eventually, right? That when there's more labs, you guys, you guys get removed,
1: You're right? Yeah, if if we could ever get to two labs, then our lab will actually step back and just more take that regulatory aspect, where we'll be double checking the other labs on occasion, make sure that it looks like the those results are correctly, and then if we have any uh, complaints or investigations where we might need to go, you know, and do some testing, that the our lab will do that aspect of it. Um, but until we can get that second lab. Our lab's stuck doing uh, a good amount of that, the sample testing for cannabis right now.
0: Yeah, I've, I've talked to a couple of other people who run labs, and they've, they've said, wow, the market's yeah. just pretty small. And the cost of investment, the investment to, to create a lab to do this yeah is pretty high. And without the, you know, one thing is if you're the second lab to come in or you're the first lab to come in, it's one thing. But let's say there's two more that come in, and now there's three, you know, is the market big enough to support that? You know, and so far, it seems like it's just not that it's right. Just not and that and
1: we we talked to to industry about that, especially groups that have kind of uh, have a lot of knowledge about the industry during the uh, the last couple of years. And so, one of the things that was brought to us was like, yeah, maybe if you you cap the number of of uh, labs as well, that might help, right? To say that you're not you may not have to worry that there's going to be such a small part of the. The market that a few only so I think we capped it at four labs um, and hoping that maybe one or two would still want to jump in there. But yeah, so far I think that the the market is still pr- too small for them to want to invest that millions and millions of dollars in the equipment and the building and and just do that uh, just do medical cannabis. So
0: sure, okay. So we've got a few questions for, and I want to get into this honestly. We've got to get into this delta eight and this thing a little bit, right? because everybody's going to want to know what Cody James <laughs> says about the Delta-8 thing. Um, but what do you think we can expect in 2022? Like, And do you think that we're going to get another grow license? I mean, with nine or something like that, Like, what what do you see yeah, happening?
1: Yeah, uh, so first on the Delta-8 uh, there, I mean, and most everybody probably saw the articles a couple of months ago about Delta-8 and the concern for safety and things. And, yeah. and we had to have several meetings about that. Um, on the medical cannabis side, we put in place or the legislature put in place that there's a need for if you're going to have Delta-8 or any other THC analogs other than Delta-9 in any products that it has to meet a purity level of 95%, which again, this is more chemistry stuff. But in my, my understanding is that most pharmaceutical side of things, it's a purity of 90%. But we actually increase it up to 95%. And talking to people like Blake, they're happy about that. That's what he tells me all the time. We're glad we can, we know we can meet it. And what that 95% purity means, that as you're you're taking CBD or whatever and converting to Delta-8, sometimes that there's some different things that can be made, some different type of, of uh, chemical byproducts. Yeah, chemical there. byproducts, um, right? And so that 95% purity test uh, shows that if 95% of the cannabinoids are pure in there, that the stuff that we recognize, that those are not just some outlier that we don't know what it is or uh, maybe even scary sometimes we do know what it is and it's not good that will then that passes quality assurance testing on that and so we feel that the delta eight aspect you know from everything and there's going to be tons of research going on for a long time but we we feel like it has a, a, a place here i think that delta eight is helping a lot of patients as i talk to you know some of the industry members such as blake uh, such as uh, folks from from standard and and a lot of different pharmacies they're you know Delta eight is is popular, and I think as long as we we're making sure that it's safe that way, through that ninety five percent purity level, that it has its a place in the market and and probably should be, along with anything else that starts to come down the line sure. that we'll have to figure out how we deal with as it comes. But
0: do you is the Department of Act you know then there's this secondary uh, issue with Delta eight and Delta nine products where there's this point three percent. You know, cap limit. And there's these products that are tested in the in the medical market. And then there's products that are being sold over the counter that have Delta Eight and Delta Nine. Are is the Department of Ag supposed to be testing these or are they they coming in from out of state and not getting tested by you? So the purity's different. I guess that's one question. And then another question is, you know, how do we get how did we get these 10 milligrams of Delta 9 products on the on the shelf? and then, and have them yeah, allow Yeah.
1: So to, I guess the first part of the, your question was, uh, how did they get into Utah? Some are out of state, some are in, so there's a couple of manufacturers from in-state that are making, uh, those types of products. Um, you know, it was something that we wanted clarification on during the session last year, uh, it didn't necessarily happen, but, uh, and again, talking, we tried to to figure out what we could because there is that concern about safety, which, as I mentioned, there was a couple of articles, a couple of, uh weeks ago that yeah a few
0: weeks ago yep and then the, even the right. CDC came out or, or uh, you know, and they, they came out and they're like, we don't deal with anything to deal with cannabis except for we're going to tell you that Delta 8 is dangerous or, you know, getting it from a garage right. chemist is dangerous. Right. That and and, I, thing, and right? I think
1: that's where kind of the, the department is, is feeling right. We, we, we want to make sure that things are safe. Um, on the medical side, we, we have that control on the QA testing that we do, like I said, the 95%. We're not quite sure what we're getting on, on that side uh, on the, the industrial hemp. Side of it, from out of state, from others, right? We have an ability to go in and test for it, but uh, it's it's tough for us to get to all those products and, and test every single one to do that. But, um, um, so, you know, as talking, the, the reason why it says that, uh, you know, you could have 10 milligrams there and overall, like, you know, just put in a large gummy or something like that is the way that um, the statute and the rules written right now. It's, it is all about 0.3% THC by dry, dry weight, right? That's even talk about products, which uh, initially and still is, is mostly talking about USDA's industrial hemp plant there. And so trying to figure out where the milligrams should be, you know, it sounds like uh, what we're hearing from other states is that other states are kind of starting to do the, make some changes to do milligrams per packaging or per serving size, things like that to, to kind of do that. So <clears throat> there's kind of a, I think a federal I don't want to say federal, but a national effort from different states are doing things like that, that we get to be kind of, uh, at least participate in and kind of go that way. And because you are always looking to learn something from all these different aspects and, and like I said, there's tons of research and, and trying to find exactly what is the good research versus maybe something that, uh, is not so, uh, honest and that, and then try and, uh, put the best information out there to the, to the decision makers, the lawmakers and and see what they want to do with it. So because. Is the
0: Department of Ag kind of stuck in this statute spot where look, if you meet the requirements, then the Department of Agriculture is by basically, you can't deny their their ability to put that on the shelf. Is that kind of where you were you're at? Or do you do you have to work with the Department of Health to to adjust what's allowed? Because it seems to me like, and as the bystander, on the one hand, you know, I'm involved in a in a medical cannabis advisory group with the pharmacists and a few q and some industry people. You know, and on our side, we're saying, look, we don't want patients being able to buy a 10 milligram delta nine gummy over the counter in a state where we have really restricted that. Right? Like, we have a, as a state, we've decided that these are dangerous products; they should be allowed only in certain circumstances by certain people so we believe that and as a safety thing we say shouldn't be allowed to be to buy it at Walgreens but i also am pragmatic and and i understand that well you know if if the department of agriculture is is not like you're tied to the to the statute and the rule
1: yeah and and we are in a a lot of aspects and this is is one of them as well right that if you do meet that criteria then you know if the government tells you no and and the rules say that all you have to do is meet this criteria and you will get licensed or you will get a product registered obviously that would put us in a bad situation it'd be illegal for us to deny that so in in a good sense that is where we are is that it it says 0.3 percent there's the um the, you know, the argument that, uh, USDA's, uh, industrial hemp law, the, the 2018 farm bill allows for you to take CBD and convert it into Delta eight. And that's, so because it's coming from CBD, it does that, that's still up in the air. You know, you still have, um, Utah's drug, uh, enforcement code that calls, uh, all THC analogs other than Delta nine under the the Utah yes. Medical Control Act, that it is illegal type of thing. So it's like stuff we're all dealing with there and again it was just something that we were trying to get clarification on uh, and it turned into a lot bigger deal during the session and than we thought it was. We knew it was going to be a big deal but we didn't think it was going to lead to what it led to and so we're still trying to, to hopefully, not necessarily pushing that, <clears throat> kind of waiting like I said to get other states in, uh, input as well but uh, you mentioned we the department we have reached out to rich and his side to have him start talking to the department of health get input from them so we can kind of so we can all be honest things like this we want the state and try and be everybody to be as close to on the same page as we can because there are two sides to this and it, it's a heavy side but we're definitely want to make sure that whatever's out there safe as i mentioned before on both sides industrial hemp and medical cannabis we feel that our number one job is to make sure what consumers are buying whether it's the patients or just anybody going to a Walgreens that it's, it's safe. Um, and then, you know, that, uh, public safety in mind too. Right. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, if you get a, a gummy with a, a lot of, a pretty high amount of milligrams in it and then they eat the whole package or something, yeah. you know, there's could be some, some effects that are concerning. Right. And all that kind of goes in into places we're talking about the public safety to our bosses here, to the governor's office and legislators. It's stuff that we all want to make sure that, We bring as much information to the table, everything really, to, and let them try and make that decision uh, thereafter having it. So do
0: you feel like that's going to get worked out? I mean, I, gosh, I think that has to get worked out. Like there has to be some, some more clarity on this. Yeah. It it just seems like it doesn't make sense otherwise
1: i think I think we're kind of to the point where we're hoping it does as well yeah. right. I mean everything you said uh, as far as the advisory portion of what you're doing that those are conversations that I know are happening sure. even at the legisl- legislative level, and so I think that you know there uh it's gonna i think it'll still be talked about no matter what, and like you said the hope is that it, it gets there because it does it does put uh, people in a, at least the department and really I think the state in kind of a weird predicament on how you handle a couple of things, and it would just always be nice to be kind of, you know, all the way in or all the way out on yep. some things. And what does either, what does either side of that mean? Is it point three of that or is it, you know, a, a combination of like a cumulative total, just, you know, some clarity, uh, clarification would be nice on our side. Other than that kind of
0: clarity, do you, does the Department of Agriculture or you personally want to see some type of changes in the, in the medical cannabis program?
1: Uh, no, not really. This year we feel... We feel from our side uh, that uh, things are going fairly well, right? I mean, and it's things that uh, are, are getting better. We're not asking for anybody to do too much on there. We're, there's some clarification, some word changes that were kind of just uh, where they should have used processor versus grower. We're asking for that. Uh, you know, there's been clar- uh, some kind of some arguments back and forth about sugar on products on the oh, medical yeah, side. Oh, yeah, that's
0: right. Yep, uh, Keeping and, products because you got to keep the gelatinous cubes separated. Yeah. And sugar is a very good way to do that. And otherwise, you got to wrap them all in individually wrapped things, or you put them in your car, and they all melt together.
1: Yeah. So, so things like that on on clarification on what. Oh, the, what about the, the
0: drinks? Right? The Are drink. you involved in that liquid suspension? That-
1: yeah, that's that's been a, an interesting one too because that cuz uh you know um I, one of the the main goals of the legislature and the governor's office is is to make sure that this program maintains its uh medical uh standing, right? That's yeah. that's the goal in Utah for right now and so there's th- those type of discussions too that we're looking for clarification on cuz you know yeah. you can take it you can take a look at definitions on one side and maybe a beverage kind of fits into to that and then sure. on the other side you look at it and it's like Man, they make great arguments when they're coming to us about this, you know, and so it's like, hey, would you at least clarify for us so we can make sure that we're doing it the way that that lawmakers intend this to be type yeah. of thing? Because some of this, I mean, it, some of it seems, you know, as I first start thinking about a few things, it's it's kind of a small item. It's like, oh, it's not such a big deal. But as you get going and the, the conversations get going and back and forth, it's like, man you know, this might be something that ends up at the legislative. And and we hear that all all the time too. It's like, well, if you don't do what we think you should, I'm just going to go to my lawmaker. And it's like, you know what? I'm happy to go with you. Let's just clear this (laughs) up. Right, yeah. Let's clarify this
0: once and and for all, right? Right. What about home grow? Do you, if that ever happens, I mean, I don't think there's any appetite for that this year, but I think in the long run, um, you know, trying to project myself and this program down five five or more years down the road, it does seem like home grow would is always going to come back around. It's always going to come back up for people who want to save money, want to grow. I mean, I grow my own tomatoes. It's very important to me to grow a certain type of tomato every year so I can have sandwiches in July. It's very important to me. And I imagine cannabis would be like that for other people. Does, does the Department of Agriculture have I mean, it seems like a lot of work for you if they allow home grow.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, to be honest, I don't think we've actually thought that far ahead. It's kind of right now we're, we're dealing with what we have and trying to make sure we have as good a handle on it as there. And, and, you know, as always, anytime that there's a law change or they allow something or take something away, it it obviously affects the, the work that we do. And, and the legislature usually lets us give some input is like, Hey, this, you know, this seems like maybe what the type of work that's going to cause us no matter what it is. And, we may need more people or maybe we can not maybe if they're taking something where we don't need as many people. And so you know, we can kind of lower our budgets or something like that, but that aspect specifically, we haven't really talked about, like I said, we're, we're trying real hard to just try and make sure we keep up with what's there now. Uh, And it seems for the first couple of years with law changes, like you mentioned it, it took us six months to kind of like get out the rules written for each new law change and policies and procedures put in place and doing that. And at the same time, kind of building the team. So that's one of the reasons where we feel pretty happy that we're not, uh, asking for like these, any like wholesale changes on anything. Mm-hmm. We're just like, Hey, a few thing, kind of clean up things, some clarification, and then let, let us kind of keep on the, the way we're going. We'll see what happens. Right. Uh, right. if there's more changes, but, uh, anything like, uh, uh, being able to grow your yourselves or in your home is uh, we haven't thought that far down the road yet. I don't think so.
0: Right? Is the hemp kind of switch gears before we wrap this up? Really, I mean, is the hemp side really going to take off in Utah? Seems like hemp is uh it. The more you look at this from thirty thousand feet, I mean, it seems like medical cannabis is a is a small part of this much larger thing that's happening mm-hmm. uh, with hemp and industrial hemp what What do you see with
1: industrial hemp? Uh, so we're seeing an increase in like processors on industrial hemp. I mean, like the, that side of things seems to be going and and products keeps increasing, type of thing. Um, what I'm hearing uh, is the as kind of the most exciting aspect of the hemp side is is the fiber. Type of thing, you know. There's some people out there doing some really cool stuff, uh, such as uh, making uh, concrete. Yeah. Um, you know, a building Yeah. Lumber.
0: Amanda Kerr, that Global Hemp Association, exactly. she does a great job of kind of exposing us to all of this new stuff
1: yeah I, I think that that's probably uh from at least from my standpoint from what I'm kind of seeing out there currently, that's probably the the most exciting thing for our growers to have our growers kind of transition maybe over to more of of that type of of hemp to grow for fiber and things like that and and you know from everything that I've researched and what you hear from mandy and and others that um we're talking about kind of a whole new world uh with that type of stuff, and so I think that that that's the portion that's gonna gonna take off. Uh, you know, I think that the the market kind of get got saturated after the the 2018 Farm Bill. Kind of, like, I think everybody's like, "Hey, I'm yeah. gonna grow hemp," right? A lot of money, and I think that that just kind of collapsed the the market type yep. of thing uh, a little there. And, and we saw that in Utah over the first couple of years. Um, but uh, um, like I said, talking to to Mandy and others, that the the more the manufacturing side of it seems to be like something that everybody should get really interested in.
0: Yeah, I and for those for people who don't know, I mean, when, when you're growing hemp for fiber, you don't even let it flower. Right. Right. So it's not really a it doesn't seem like it fits in this. Although the Department of Agriculture would be involved in making sure the compliance was there because it's the same gene or genus of plant. It's right. really a totally different um right. it's really a totally different process and whole plant right. thing in there. But I I see that piece just growing huge over the next little while and being a big part of I don't know, this whole idea that cannabis is, you know, is a plant that we can use, right? We can incorporate it back into a lot of other things, not just medicine, but there's a lot of other processes we can that cannabis is pretty beneficial for. Seems like you guys at the Department of Agriculture are kind of on the on the tip. Of the sword, because you're going to have to deal with everything that that, that plant um, is involved in.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, and, and sometimes that puts us in, in a little bit of a difficult situation because we're trying, again, as I mentioned before, we're trying to just keep up sometimes with what has already kind of come down the road. And so trying to uh, uh, move ahead or think down the road is, is difficult, but, um, you know, we're, we're also a really small team. Right I mean, I've got uh six almost about to have six total people on the medical side, and I'll have six total people on the industrial hemp side, and then myself who kind of splits my my time between the two there um and so it's like trying to keep up with all of the stuff that's going on. we're just busy nonstop and it seems like we spend a lot of time doing that aspect, just the work, uh, rather than being able to kind of sit back and be like, all right, let's, let's really kind of think ahead and, and some things, hopefully we can get to that as we, we build our team and get everybody trained and kind of get, uh, a handle on everything that we need to do. And, 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 and really overall on the medical side, we've seen actually, a huge increase in stuff. I mean, we, because our team was so small, we weren't being able to get out too often uh, other than maybe going and take samples or or we'd go and do inspections once or every two or three months. Now we're out there more often. And we're seeing that these, we're not finding problems
0: anymore. Mm -hmm. Right? We're not
1: finding that things are dirty or that uh, there's, you know, maybe some product that's not labeled. We're not finding that anymore, uh, which is a good thing. We're, we're, it's, Compliance is there, so it's now it's kind of more that we can maybe, as I mentioned, start thinking down the road all right we've kind of got a little bit of a handle on this. let's start talking about the stuff there and having those type of meetings with industry as well so
0: right what uh what else is there anything that you know we haven't talked about so far that you want to bring up you want to talk about
1: I guess I want to probably just say that you know don't hesitate for anybody to, to reach out to us right i mean um you know, our, our, our licensees are pretty good about that. People are this trying to get into either side of the industry. You know, they, they kind of seem to, maybe they look at the, the website or try to find, or reach out to us, really happy to talk people through it, happy to be honest with them and, and try and, and walk them down that, that path versus, cause they're taking a lot of risk, just putting any money into it on either side. And so talking to us about it, we can answer a lot of questions, you know, hemp more on the, uh, the fiber side. Um, that's something that, uh, a lot of people want to do. And as we go and kind of go to some meetings and stuff, there's people like, yeah, I don't think I can do this. And it's like, well, we haven't talked to you. Do we, have we talked before? And they know, and I'm like, well, Hey, call us, let's talk to you. Cause I don't think that there's as big as roadblock as you think there is for you doing what you want to do type of thing. And So I think uh just making sure that uh, people understand that that we're approachable, we're busy, you know, but uh emails or phone calls we're going to return them, where we we do a really good job at get back as soon as we can um and usually within the next day, but uh that's probably the only thing is that uh is yeah, that we're, uh, we're...
0: that info is found on the Department of Agriculture website?
1: Yeah, yep, yeah, Yep. Yeah. You can find uh the at least the industrial hemp site at the ag.utah.gov website <clears throat> and then um, you That would still get us to the medical cannabis side, but you can go to utahmedicalcannabis.gov. I yep. think is the other one that, uh, and go to the production side of things, and that'll get you to us as well. So,
0: oh, cool! That's great. That's it's good to know. I mean, I think, I think that's important. I think Utah does a pretty good job of that. I know the Department of Health has done a pretty good job of being available for people, and it's nice to know that, that that's the attitude. At the Department of Agriculture, for people who want more information, um, specifically, right? It's not. It's uh, it's important for people to have access to their to the regulatory bodies. Frankly. Yeah. Um,
1: well. Well, and and we're, like I mentioned, we're, we're so busy just dealing uh, on a data that that we don't always thinking about, Hey, we should put something out. You know, we should try and reach out. So really, I guess what I'm saying is that we may not know what the questions are until they're asked. Right. And so we're happy to, to do any research or talk to people and, and get their, as you know, the answers as best we can for them. Uh, we just need to know what the questions are. So
0: cool. Uh, Two last questions. One, do you have a favorite strain? I ask that to everybody who's in the uh, who's on the podcast.
1: Uh, no. You know, I'm going to say no. I mean, I uh, I'm, I'm not going to say I have a favorite strain at all. I don't want to be seen as that I'm uh, picking favorites. Oh, for there anybody, you go. Right,
0: so. right. Okay, totally fine. And what what's Cody James do for fun?
1: Oh, I've got a couple of hobbies uh, that I try and just kind of get better and better at. Kind of live the the. Um, by the idea that you should have a couple of different hobbies ones that keep you uh, healthy ones that you have fun with and some that you kind of uh, make money on. And, and uh, I haven't figured out that third one yet, but uh, I try and stay healthy and, and have some fun. Um, and other than that, I just uh, with my family a lot uh, as pretty much, if I'm not at work, I'm doing something with somebody in my family. So
0: cool. Well, thanks Cody for taking time. I mean, I, it's, uh, it's been fun and informative and I'm sure you'll be hearing from uh, some people, maybe from, from this podcast or, or me. Yeah, you know, Sounds good. Absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is Utah in the Weeds. You can subscribe to the podcast on any podcast player that uh, you like to listen to podcasts on. Uh, If you want to reach out to me or you have questions about this podcast, find it on Discover Marijuana on the YouTube channel and make a comment on the video or make a comment on any of those videos on that channel. Uh, We look at all those comments and we—that's really the best way to reach out uh, with questions or comments or if if you have anything to say. Thanks again, everybody. Stay safe out there.